psychedelics are illegal not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window. Psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Is Information is power. But we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. It's it's not uh, it's not just about psychedelics uh, per se, you know, not just about substances, but really more about kind of what the psychedelic, the definition of the word kind of psychedelic, what it what it embodies, you know, kind of an open mindedness. So I like to I like to talk about all kinds of things on this show, um, and you know, new and interesting ideas, mind expanding ideas, all you know, just alternative to the junk that we get fed in the in the mainstream culture. I, I hope to provide a uh, solution for that with this show, with uh, with having guests on like you. So that's, a, I guess, a little bit about the show. Yeah. Great. Well, it sounds so interesting. I'm really grateful to be on. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. I had to have you on because this is such a passion of mine. Um, I kind of like passionately wrote you like an email, like after I heard you on uh, Sam uh, Lawrence's podcast, Grow Big Always, I was just like, oh, I got to talk to this person because this is right up my alley. This is like something that I I feel so strongly about. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's I, I think what, first of all, I just want to like commend you what you're doing, like the work you're doing, the message that you're preaching, you know, we'll, we'll get into all the details. I'll give you some, some room to talk and, and know on your own about that but uh you know real quick i'll just want to mention that like you know you're you're doing big things like you're out there you're you're pushing this message around you've appeared on a lot of podcasts you've you've done appearances on the dr phil show and oprah and and you have you know a couple of awesome books best-selling books uh radical unschooling sexy birth and uh you know you're a peaceful parent uh parenting advocate so these are all, I mean, just incredible things. Congratulations to you on your success and, and, and pushing this, this important message out there to try and crack through the matrix of the, you know, uh, try, try to red pill like the, you know, as, as they're saying today, try to red pill the public, uh, you know, on, onto, onto some, some meaning and some truth. Um, so I, I guess like where we could start off is I, I want to know a little bit about like your background. Like how did you get started in all this? Um, maybe first we could tell people, we could tell, you know, my listeners what radical unschooling is, and then you can kind of, you know, talk about how you maybe got started in, in all this. Sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I never imagined doing something like this, put it, put it this way. It wasn't something I set out to do. It happened really naturally and organically. The more I woke up, the more this made sense. And I think, you know, you saying red pilling the public. I love that because... I think once people hear about this, no matter how mainstream they are, 
that they they get it. It makes sense. There's something within them that have that has known this all along. I think a lot of you know more more aware, awake philosophical perspectives make sense to people deep down. It's just a matter of undoing all the cultural conditioning and and helping them take off that armor for them to be able to see it. So your audience is ripe and ready for this, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. The average per- the average person, it's pretty shocking at first because it's challenging their entire upbringing. I mean, most of us were told that we had to go through the traditional authoritarian paradigm of parenting and education and that it was for our own good and we're doing this, we're controlling you and punishing you and treating you terribly because we love you and it's for your for the best. And so when you're telling somebody that that was all unnecessary and in fact, incredibly damaging, people really resist that. It, it's painful for them when you lift that veil and all of a sudden they see that they were abused. You know, it's it's incredible. And I think um, I love hearing that you're promoting psychedelics because that's all part. That's one tool for healing from this for people. Yeah, this um, is and, by the way, yeah. I, lo- I love I love radical unschooling. I just love that name because I mean, I don't know if you could be on a more radical show. I mean, I'm a I'm a libertarian anarchist that promotes psychedelics. So welcome. I mean, this is you, know, <laughs> you have a home here. And, you know, I have to say my my listeners you know, I get messages from them all the time. You know, I get pretty personal about my my experience with school and stuff. So I know this is going to resonate with them. You know, I feel I feel I was a victim and I was abused and I was awoken to the fact of you know the prisons of school and the horrors of the tragedies that have gone on. You know, with like entrapping and enslaving young minds. So I, I know my listeners feel the same way. They they reach out to me and they say the same thing. So just wanted to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, well, good. I feel very comfortable. I'm glad that you had me on. It's awesome. I have a lot of friends who I want to turn on to your show because I didn't really know it was out there. So this should bring, this will be great for both of us just expanding and reaching as many people as we can with this message that's all under the same umbrella, mm-hmm. you know, waking up for the matrix. So, so what is unschooling? Uh, radical unschooling is living life as though school doesn't exist. That's part of it. And what I mean by that is not uneducating. I think people hear the term unschooling and they think that it means that you're, you're, no one's going to be educated, your children are neglected. You know, that's what mainstream people think anyway. But what it means is deconditioning yourself as a parent as to seeing learning in schooly terms. And the, the whole indoctrination that, that we've gone through there's so much undoing to get to the point to see that learning is everywhere. It's not just in life broken down into subjects like school taught us. There's nothing of more value or little value. It's just what the individual is, their purpose is, you know. So my children are all here on this planet for different purposes, for different reasons. They have different passions. It makes absolutely no sense that they should all learn the same thing with the same curriculum under the same, you know, in the same brick building all day, every day for 12 years. That is not at all what my children have ever gone through. So let me just share with your listeners that I have four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two boys and two girls. My youngest is nine, my son, Orion. I have a daughter, Ivy, who's 12, a daughter, Tiffany, who, well, Tiffany's name was originally Dakota, but when she was four, she said, that's not my name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a Dakota. My name is Tiffany. So it's been Tiffany ever since. And she's almost 16. And my son, Devin, is 18. Um, so... We've been doing this from day one. Our kids have never gone to school. Um, But let me just finish the definition of radical unschooling. So there's two components to radical unschooling. Unschooling is living life as though school doesn't exist. The whole educational component. I don't look at myself as my child's teacher. 
I look at myself as my child's learning facilitator. So when they're interested in something, I bring as many resources into their lives to learn and grow from based on this one interest, like the nucleus of their learning. And learning is supposed to be fun and learning feels good when it's not forced. So I think we really confuse in our culture, we've been really brainwashed to think that learning has to be difficult, but what's difficult is forced learning. When you're forcing another human being to do workbook pages and do this drudgery that they have no interest in, mm-hmm. um, the difficulty is in controlling another human being. That's really what it is. <laughs> and so um, our kids have never done any schoolwork whatsoever, yet they've all learned to read and write and are very successful in their own way because they're happy. Um, So let me just share that the whole radical component of radical unschooling is extending that trust in your child's education into other areas of their lives. So I don't believe in punishments. Our kids have never been punished. I think punishing models meanness and that power rules and that we live in a partnership-based paradigm. So we talk about things and um, our kids aren't running around hurting people because they weren't, you know, punished. <laughs> Quite the opposite, actually. They're some of the kindest people I've ever met. Um, my kids have always had freedom with media, with food, with bedtimes, with hygiene, with, with everything. They've never, ever been forced to do anything they don't want to do, unless it's been like a life or death situation, um, which has maybe happened once or twice. Like when my daughter got bit by a skunk and that had rabies. Mm. Um, Uh, (laughs) but we still did. Yeah. We, we we still didn't have to force her. She understood because she trusted us when we gave her the information of what rabies was, Mm -hmm. she willingly went and got all the shots. But so I guess that's not the best situation because she wasn't forced, but we've never forced our kids to do anything yet. They're incredibly passionate, successful, happy, kind, loving, peaceful people. Um, they're human beings, though. They fight. They're siblings. They fight sometimes. There's challenges that come up in our lives. I'm not saying that this is like the answer to everything and you're guaranteed this utopian lifestyle. We are human. So, I mean, it's just how you go about navigating difficulties when they come up. That is the big difference. Instead of me focusing on obedience and behavior modification, which is the focus of 99.9% of parenting books on the market and experts and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, we focus on meeting the needs of, under the behavior of our children and meeting the needs of everybody in the family equally, not just the adults for obedience and compliance. So, I mean, the philosophy is pretty detailed and there's a lot to it. So this is kind of just the very, very tip of the iceberg. So I hope I'm not going too fast for anybody <laughs> listening, sharing. No, you seem to be going at a at a good speed, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, I mean, I know there's a lot to it. And, you know, thank God that you have more information out there with your book so people can go and and pick those up if they want to learn more, of course, right? Definitely. And and I think that like when people initially hear, like I invite your listeners to tune into like what this is triggering in you, because this is where healing comes and the awareness of abuse is when you're triggered. So when you hear me say that my children have total freedom with food, they can eat whatever they want, whenever they want. Like I love people to sit with the feeling that they have in their body to hearing that because most people think, oh my God, that's crazy. They must eat just cookies all day and have spoonfuls of sugar. And, you know, but, but the interesting thing is that's not the case at all. You've been conditioned to believe that with freedom, children will make bad choices. Mm -hmm. They do not. It's the complete opposite. All of our kids are vegan by choice, crazy, but they are completely by choice for their own internal motivations. They eat extremely healthy. Um, and they've never been forced to, and they've had the option and freedom to buy whatever they want, whenever they want, when it comes to, you know, within our budget at the, at the food store. So 
basically, I'm here to say that anything that you may have believed about parenting and education, I'm conditioned to believe was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I'm here to help you kind of wake up from that whole part of your childhood. Uh, because I think in order to evolve and grow as a person, as an adult, dealing with that kind of bringing to your awareness of what really happened to you when you were younger is a huge piece of it. So thank you for allowing me to share about it. Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's such a, just, um, I I actually can't really think of a more important thing. You know, I can't think of a more important thing than a free, beautiful, independent being coming into this, this world, this earth, this universe and, and having, you know, being born into kind of a system that doesn't respect it as being a a, a being, a, a being of of energy that we all are. We all we're, we're all the made of the same things, and yet you know we treat like children. It's you know it sounds to me that you treat your children with respect, like like they deserve to be treated. You know, it sounds like you you come to them with with a with an understanding of like, hey, you know, I think you said it beautifully when you said you're the facilitator for them. Like you're there to kind of, you know, guide them and kind of foster things that they, that they feel that they, they're interested in. Maybe you can kind of help show them kind of what maybe some tribal societies of the past had with kind of wise old elders kind of leading the way and showing people the tradition. And for some, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what the reasons are, but you know, we can get into that too a little bit, but like, you know, through this, this system of control and oppression and indoctrination, we've become conditioned to accept this kind of force upon us, which kind of, you know, makes kids go crazy. You know, it made me go crazy for sure. You know, I was kicked out of school. I was, you know, I was, I was the quote unquote bad kid, you know, and, and, uh, you know, now, I mean, I, I've learned more out of school than I ever did in, you know? So uh, yeah, I think this is what, if uh, this is probably the most important message that could be, uh, that could be shared to, to help, um, you know, alleviate suffering in the world and change the world really, because obviously it's cliche to say, but it's true. The children are our future, you know? Right. Completely. And children behave as well as they're treated. Mm -hmm. And that's a big piece that people don't understand. You know, they don't understand why kids are so, you know, quote unquote rebellious or my, my children have never, I have teenagers. They've never been rebellious. There's no such thing as teen rebellion Mm -hmm. when there's nothing to rebel against they're just people. I mean, that's the incredible thing. I mean, I, my kids are my best friends. And I know people say, you know, I'm, I'm your parent, not your friend. But if you can't be your child's friend, and you know, what is a friend, a confidant, it's somebody you could lean on, somebody you can trust. I, I love being around them. And they love being around us. Uh, you know, there's not I, could, I can't say that about my childhood. I can't say that about the adults in my lives. I couldn't wait to get away and sneak away just to have freedom and not be judged and looked down upon and somebody to comment on every single thing I did and control me. My kids have never dealt with that. So when you don't can have you, that, can you, can, would you, would you mind sharing maybe a little piece of, of that? Cause that sounds interesting to me. You know, I know that that, that resonates with me. I, I went through the same thing. So what, what was it about your childhood that really kind of made you rebel and, and that, did that then lead you to kind of explore these, these options for, for, for what you're doing now? 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I think every bit of my childhood and teen years led me to where I'm at now. I, I, you know, my parents separated my stepfather and my mother when I was like uh, 14 years old and I ended up living with my uncle and Mm. I've just been kind of moved around so much in my, in my earlier years that experiencing not being trusted was really hard. You know, it's, it's, there's so many layers of shit that I went through. I, when my parents got divorced and my, my mother like went with somebody else, another man, and it was this really traumatic experience. It wasn't handled properly. I don't, I don't blame anybody for it. It just, the way that it all went down sucked. Mm -hmm. And, um, so, I mean, I partied, you know, I smoked weed and drank and it wasn't necessarily a coping mechanism. It's just the people that I hung out with. That's what we did. And my stepfather's new girlfriend found out that I was smoking weed and they put me in a rehab. Uh, for three months, like a psychiatric ward I was on for, for getting caught smoking weed. Hmm. And it was the most traumatic, awful experience of my life. And I remember being looked at as though I was some awful person and thinking to myself, just because these adults said that I was this bad person, they put me in this place. And it quite honestly taught me more bad things than I could even explain. I learned how to be anorexic in there. (laughs) there was girls that taught each other how to be anorexic there was people you know doing way heavier drugs there was abuse there was like by the counselors there was rape I mean there was so many awful things in this hospital all for the sake all because I got caught smoking weed you know so my my point is when control when when parents don't understand and trust and the adults in a child's life don't understand and trust the needs under any kind of behavior and they try to control it warps my, my, my situation obviously is very extreme to kind of demonstrate that any kind of control warps the human condition. Mm -hmm. It makes some, it makes somebody so much worse. It's damaging. It's abusive indirectly by that because you're looking at yourself as a bad person because you've been conditioned to rely on the adults in your lives to tell you when you're good and when you're good, it means you're pleasing them and you're obeying them. And that's when the goodness comes in. And when you're not doing that, you're labeled as bad. You're a bad person. People are angry with you. And that you really internalize that and think that you're garbage. Right. You know, it's a, it takes a really strong soul not to get sucked into that. And so being put in a place that was just filled with awful kids, I, I just said, you know, kids that were way, way worse than me just smoking weed sometimes, you know, like I was just like, wow, I'm like one of, this is who I am. I'm one of these people. And it really affected the next 10 years of my life very intensely. Mm-hmm. And so um, the same thing happens with kids in school, you know, with traditional parenting in general, with punishing and um, all that had to be done to me back in the day <laughs> was for somebody to say, whatever they felt about marijuana, you know, whether it was like, I totally understand you wanting to numb it. I mean, your parents just got divorced and you're hurting. That's all that had to be said. And it would have been that validation in itself might've made me go, oh, okay, cool. Somebody understands. I don't really need to smoke as much or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Instead, the extreme situation that happened as a result of that was, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to Think of the times where you were put in detention for stuff that you didn't even do times that you got in trouble and people looked at you with negative intent when you never, meant it the way it was taken. You yeah, know, I think that I- was like my whole my whole childhood. I mean, I was, you know, I, I was looked at as an uncontrollable child. Like, you know, there's something wrong with me. Uh, he won't listen. He won't sit still. He disobeys. He breaks things. You know, I was. I mean, I, I was that way because I felt uh, oppressed. Like you said, you made a, a good point. I mean, it's like, 
I always felt like from when I was born, I always felt like, hey, I'm I'm a person. I'm here. I want to do things. But I I'm you're as a child, you're treated like you're on like probation. This is a, actually a good quote that uh, Alan Watts said. He, you know, it's like we treat children like they're candidates for humanity, not really human beings. Like they're they're on probation, and that's very much how I felt. I felt like I was you know, couldn't be trusted. I had to be told what to do. And then I had to go to this, you know, prison with these bright lit lights at 7am, you know, shuffled on this yellow bus. It was just horrible, horrible. So naturally, I rebelled, you know. And um, I think it's you touched on something really important, too, where you said that in what you were what you were doing, your your step parents or your stepfather wanted they put you in a psych ward because you they they you know because you're smoking weed or whatever and that to them that's like crazy but where are your rights as like an individual like they just they just violate your rights and throw you in there so it's like you know it, it seems a little crazy to me that we would treat a living thing a person like that you know um you know and it affects people for the rest of their lives yeah. and you know it, it truly does, but it also conditions them for exactly what our culture wants, and that's right. obedience. And they wanted to they wanted to break my spirit. You know how how easy is it to slip in prison after you've been conditioned in school? Mm-hmm. Prison is just like school. Yeah, you know. And then it, it's the same thing with like school in general. Training kids to be yes men. How easy is it for them to slip into cubicles and go work for somebody for the rest of their lives in this miserable, mundane? job making other people millionaires when they're just barely getting by living check to check we do that by dumbing them down in school yeah you know it's the same exact situation that's exactly what they want that's exactly what is is the intention of schools yeah uh john taylor gatto uh dumbing dumbing us down uh the the his um his books uh i I know you're familiar he it was he uh kind of an inspiration to you or yeah, he's actually a good friend of mine. I wrote the afterword for a book that is coming out. Um, they remade one of, one of his books that's coming out, The Underground History of Education, uh, Volume 2. Um, he is speak- I'm speaking in New York, and he's also speaking at an event in Long Island called the Arrow Conference. I invite anyone that's hearing this that wants to hear from some pretty awesome, there's a great speaker lineup. Yeah, when is um, that? John Taylor got it. it is um, on April 3rd through the 6th, I believe. I'm speaking on the 3rd. I'm not sure when John's speaking, but he is um, a friend of mine and a huge inspiration. He is somebody really interesting to learn about when it comes to what I'm talking about, like the whole purpose of schools. Now, he won New York City Teacher of the Year like four years in a row. So this is a dude that's been there. He's been on the inside he knows. I mean, he was a teacher. He knows <laughs> he exactly. He, the- he did time on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. And how brave of him to then come out and share the history of education. Like it, it was very, very enlightening to learn as to why schools, the intention of schools when they first came to be. One thing he, I learned from him more recently actually was that I don't know when it was in the 1800s, late 1800s when compulsory education first was put out there. But do you know that 80% of parents rebelled and 80% of parents refused and said, no way are we sending our children to these indoctrination camps? And they, they forced them by gunpoint, Mm -hmm. 80% of the families. I think people really need to wake up and like, look at that, that we are now conditioned to think it's necessary when the, you know, the average human parent was like, no way is this happening to my kids. So what the, what's happening now? And one, one thing I'd like to be a voice for is bringing people back to that place that they were, mm-hmm. 
you know, bringing people back to that place that they were in the late 1800s saying, no way we will not do this to our children. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it's just become this thing where it's like kind of normalized now, but as soon as you get someone to think, and this is, I think where the biggest, um, you know, hurdle is for me because, uh, you know, I think that there's certain people that are open and receptive to these ideas. And there's certain people that are just completely like, this is, you might as well be speaking like a Martian language and they think you're crazy. And it's how do you approach conversations with those kinds of people? You know, I'll give you an example, I guess. I have a nephew and he's, you know, the beautiful little boy. He's, he's, he's the man. I, lo- I love him. He's 18 months old and he's, you know, I feel like he's smart. He likes to walk around and explore. And I always give him space and freedom and encourage him to do that. However, you know, he's not my, my kid. So I don't really have necessarily a place to kind of tell my brother and my sister-in-law, like what I want them to do with the, how to raise the kid, whatever. But I, I want to try and slip some nuggets in there. I want to try and, you know, wake them up a little bit and, and encourage them to not you know, not put them into a system that's going to hold them back and, and, and treat them badly. So what kind of advice would you give to people out there that might be in a similar situation as well to try and approach the, this topic, to try and, you know, invite people to come on onto our side? Well, that's a, such a good question and something I have a lot of experience in for mm-hmm. sure. I, I think you have to understand the philosophical perspective of the very basis of this life educationally and that I'm completely against any kind of forced learning or, you know, controlling somebody to think a certain way and respecting people's freedom of mind. So, I mean, I think it's so important if it's somebody that approaches you and says, Hey, I want to learn about this. Like that is where I'm at that then I'm happy to share. I don't give unsolicited advice, but if I see a situation with somebody really close to me, Mm -hmm. like in your situation, I might, I mean, asking and just saying, Hey, you know, I interviewed this girl and this, it's like pretty radical this whole perspective on education and parenting. And and if you guys are interested in ever hearing about it, maybe there's like a little piece of, you know, just take what works and leave the rest. But I thought it was really interesting if you want to hear about it. And so you're kind of been asking and politely saying, Hey, I have this information, but you're not saying, Hey, you should do this or do it that way. You're right. kind of asking to be invited in. <laughs> in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Like a, uh, like a vampire. I have to be invited in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, because you want them to have the internal motivation to want to learn about it, because when it comes to learning, it's not true learning if you're coercing or, you know, forcing opinions. And not that I am saying that you're going to do that. I think you're aware enough to 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 know that that wouldn't work. But I'm just sharing with you just that kind of the subtleties of just asking, are you interested in hearing more about this? It's kind of crazy. It's leading edge. She's been on TV. I'm just using me as an example because that's a good jumping off point for you. Right. Yeah. Um, no. Of course. Situation. Uh, yeah, it's for sure. And, and so I think that, um, you know, I think that's definitely a good suggestion. That's a good approach. And I think that, you know, for everyone listening out there, definitely, yeah, please share this podcast. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be great. So you can, you can share these kinds of things and, and yeah, it is kind of more of an open invitation for, I guess, would you say like a passive way of learning about it not or, or something like that? Or, um, well, if they say, yeah, we want to hear about it, then by all means, just get passionate, step into it and share everything you know and why. Yeah. But, you know, unless if somebody's like, p- people are really sensitive about parenting. That's the funny thing. It like triggers people on so many levels. Because, yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of The Simpsons. I love, I love the television show, The Simpsons. And there's this, the woman in The Simpsons who is, whenever there's a problem and there's some kind of muck going on in the town, there's a, 
you know, there's the, all the, the people gather together. There's always one woman screaming, oh, my God, will somebody please think of the children? Like totally hysterical, <laughs> you know? And I, that's like, I feel like that's like a microcosm for like our nanny state, you know, America here. Everything is, you know, look at how everything is run. It's all, you know, in the, this, this, na- this nanny uh, kind of way, this, this force coercive kind of way. And yeah, and there's this fear, right? Like when you talk, people go, oh my God, that, I can't, you know, I can't send my kid to, I can't do that to my kid. You're, and it's this fear of being different, of not conforming. Because obviously when you go to these schools, that's what it's all about, conformity. They want to push it down your throat. So what are the, what are the biggest objections that you hear? Like what are the most frequent objections that you get from, from your work or from people who you speak with? Well, let me just first rewind a little bit. What you said was so important that you know, people people have a hard time with parenting in a way that other people are going to judge. And that's part of the conditioning of being a people pleaser. Like we were, we were raised to be people pleasers in our culture. And again, if people approve of us and we do what they want and what makes them happy, then we can then love ourselves if we're approved of. That totally just is parenting too. It's really hard for parents to step out of that. Now, and people get so embarrassed if they're doing anything really different outside the norm and who's going to judge me and what are my parents going to think? What are my friends going to think? That that takes a lot of undoing, a lot of deconditioning to be able to get to a place to say, I care more of what my children think of me than what anybody else thinks of me. That's a really, really heavy thing for people. And when they hear it from that perspective, sometimes they stop and think, but the biggest objection is is fear. I mean, it's all fear-based. And anytime somebody's afraid of something, they want to control. And so, so much of today's parenting is put to us by the media in yeah. such a fear, fearful way because the undercurrent and the underlying intention of putting all this fear into us in parenting is that we control our children because we want them to be conditioned to be controlled and obey because then we can go on and and, uh, you know, they can do that to us our whole lives. <laughs> so right. I think helping people, the biggest objection is that people can't stop fearing. That yeah. how do I stop fearing? I'm too afraid of what's going to happen. Like, are they, how are they going to get into college? How are, they, how are they going to get a job? Are they going to work at McDonald's for the rest of their lives? How are they going to do this? How are they going to function in society? How are they going to be socialized? You know, that's one of the biggest questions, which is absolutely ridiculous to me. And I can get into why if you'd like, but <laughs> I'm not sure how deep you want to go in any one direction. Yeah, sure, please. Well, I mean, the whole socialization socialization question is the number one question if somebody doesn't have their kids in school, which is the most ridiculous question that I can hear, although I do have to take a deep breath and be patient. It was the first question Dr. Phil asked when I was on the show. Mm-hmm. And I like to say that now, now, Dana, let me ask you a question here. First of all, how's my mustache look? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Did so, so when you say, when you say, um, uh, socialization. So basically what you're saying is that like, there's this fear of like, oh, my kids won't be in school. They won't be a part of this, like, you know, this building where there's all these other kids and they won't be able to interact, you know, with the other children. They won't be able to play sports, whatever. They're going to be just sit- sitting at home with mommy. That's, that's essentially what they mean. Well, I mean, the funny thing is like, it could mean 10 different things, what people mean by socialization. Sometimes people mean that if they're not dealing with people that are mean to them and bullying them, how are they going to deal with difficult people throughout their lives? I've heard that before. Huh. If they, you know, that, that your children should sit next to kids that are mean to them. That's so insane. They know how to- 
<laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy? I mean, that, and that's actually one of the more common that's socialization crazy. questions. Well, I know, but people really think it's necessary because, okay, so what happens once we tell somebody who who went through that and was told that we're you're doing this for your own good, and then we're saying, no, that was bad for you. That That's like owning a lot of pain of saying, wow, that was completely unnecessary. What I was forced to go through being bullied and around mean people for the last, you know, 10, 20 years or whatever. Like, that's a lot. Like, that's the whole underlying psychological difficulty for people is that when we say that was not necessary yet they were told their whole whole lives we're doing this because we love you we're doing this for your own good you're doing this for your future and then there's me coming along going oh that was completely unnecessary and really fucked you up Ooh, i'm triggered yeah <laughs> it's it, you're, right, you're, you're you're right because what happens is it's like there there is this kind of almost like aggressive triggering that happens because all of a sudden this is that this has been that person's story. This has been their belief system. This has been their identity. And now you're coming along with a hammer and you're just totally smashing it to pieces and saying, no, there's a, there's a whole new world out there and it doesn't have to be this way. And yeah, that can be very frightening and difficult. And I know, you know, on this show, we talk about a lot of, you know, psychedelics a lot, and that's much in the same kind of vein as, as awakening when you have a profound, maybe spiritual experience on, you know, maybe some some mushrooms or something like that. And it's this kind of cracking of the mold, the shattering of the matrix, as we said before. And it's like, all of a sudden you're seeing things from a whole new perspective. Um, so, so yeah, so I understand how, how that can be kind of jarring and difficult for some people. So, so, um, yeah, I'm sorry, go, go on. I, I think, I feel like I, I cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs> go no, ahead. no, you didn't. No, this is this. I love these kind of conversations. You didn't okay. cut me off, but I'll jump in anytime. All right, cool. And, but as far as socialization, I like to say to people like, so you think having your child in a brick building all day, every day, aside from weekends, of course, uh, for 12 years, like how on earth is that socializing somebody by keeping them locked away for 12 years in the same group of, with, with people and there's with the same age mate, age segregated, where yeah. else in society ever are we age segregated? It's such an unnatural dynamic. We're meant to be with people of all different ages of all different skills. And we're supposed to be together as communities and as groups of people based on mutual interests and mutual passions and, and to help shift the world. I mean, we're, we come together for our, our mutual purpose. It's the most unnatural, chaotic, crazy social experiment by having kids age segregated in a brick building locked away and saying that that's better than my children who are out in the real world all day, every day, out in society, mingling with all different ages, connecting with people, different people in our culture. Their kids are the ones locked away from society intentionally, where mm -hmm. we want to keep kids away. And so I like to say that, that, you know, what you're, what, that is not socialization. It's so backwards. It, it's like, I should be asking them that. What are you going to, what about socialization? Your kids are locked up. Like, how are they going to function in the real world? And so when people hear that, again, really triggering, <laughs> um, it, it's, it's like pulling the rug out from people. They're usually speechless. I mean, I left Dr. Phil pretty speechless a couple of times and any show that we've been on, you know, that I've been on interviewed on has been pretty crazy, like Jerry Springer-ish, because people are so triggered. <laughs> Jerry Springer. That's funny. They, I uh, I used to do this other podcast with a comedian friend of mine, Dave Smith, called Part of the Problem. And uh, he brought up this really good example. We were talking about those kinds of shows, Jerry Springer and stuff. And and then I was like, yeah, you remember those those Maury, Maury Povich would have, I think. I'm pretty sure that it was the Maury Povich show that had like the bad teenager who would come on and like, um, you know, 
the 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 mother would be like she you know she's not acting right like I can't take it and then they'd have this like all right let's bring her out and it would be like some twelve year old girl who's obviously <laughs> obviously like totally confused totally lost but like just clinging to some something to make sense of the world and she comes out and the whole audience boos her boo and she's looking at the audience fuck you you don't know me like suck my dick you know like and, yeah yeah and the and the and the mother's like see maury she's out of control she won't listen and then like they'll ask a question and then the audience will go boo like they're booing like a 12 year old like it's insane. well i had that i had that done to me i was on the bethany frankel show and when i oh. she asked me she asked me, she it was her show's off the air now. It, it didn't last, I think, more than two seasons. But when I was on it, it's a talk show like Jerry Springer, kind of like maybe one step above, you know? Mm-hmm. But the audience, the audience was just, wow. Anyway, and so when I came out and they shared, like, she said, what time do your kids go to bed? And I said, I don't know, whenever they're tired, maybe midnight or one. Like, and they, everybody was like, oh, oh, my, the clip, you can see the clips from the show on, if you go to my YouTube channel. Oh, cool. um, my YouTube channel is the Sparkling Martins, uh-huh. and then there's like a playlist called Radical Unschooling Revolution, and there's two different clips from the Bethany Show. And you, 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 I was just sitting there like, I just smiled. I was like, I didn't yell. I was just like, why is that weird? My kids get as much sleep as your kids. They're just at different hours. And this one woman said in the audience, "If that was my kids, they better go out and get a job." And I'm like, I said that doesn't even make sense. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand you, this this whole dimension that I'm now in. I it doesn't make sense to me at all. Right. Yeah, that's creepy and freaky. Yeah, she's probably like, I told her. <laughs> right? Right. She's like, what if your eleven year old wants to have sex? And I'm like, Well, she doesn't. And like the audience was just like I think they were just like, Who the hell is this girl? I don't know if we should have had her on the show because I didn't trigger like people were getting upset, but I wasn't responding to it. I was just like, This is really strange. <laughs> yeah, no, so uh, that's actually a good because that I feel like that's definitely something that w- that would probably come up, like, you know, these things like sex or drugs or things like that. And you know, obviously, you know, I think a lot of like parents, yeah, you know, it's just funny to me because of all these objections to come up. I feel like, you know, I kind of already know what the answer is, but I want to hear from you. It's like, you know, obviously there's, we, we got to look at like what we've been produced, look at where the state of our world has been at, you know, or is at right now. And look at the way that we have been educating children who then go on to be the, you know, so-called leaders of the world. Does it look like a, a good system? Does it look like a good track record? Does it look like we're, we've been doing our best? So, uh, so it's just strange to me that people won't, you know, be like, oh yeah, maybe that, maybe there is a different way. So, so, so like, you know, when these kinds of triggering topics come up, you know, give, give us some examples, I guess, of like how you would approach, you know, these kinds of things, like, you know, maybe sex. How I or, have approached. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've approached, I, I have an 18 year old, almost 16 year old and, um, I'll give the example of, well, my son, Devin, when he was 14, he went to Peru for five weeks. He wanted to go with a group of friends and um, there were a group of unschooled kids. And there was a mo- one mother that lived there who was also unschooling. And so this was kind of something she organized. Um, and marijuana is legal there. And he Skyped me to tell me that he had just smoked weed and, you know, like, oh, my gosh, mom, I just tried it. And I don't I don't know how I feel about it. And, and we, he was it was kind of funny, actually. It was like this really this memory that like, I'll never forget because I remember kind of being outside of my body and thinking, I can't believe my 14 year old just called me to tell me that he smoked weed. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, like, and I, I wasn't judging it as good or bad. I was just like, this is a, like another whole level of, of trust because when you, when you don't punish your kids, they don't fear being honest with you. 
mm-hmm. about things. And when you have this trusting connection and this relationship from the beginning, which we have, they believe what you say. Like they know when you're not controlling another human being and you have that trusting connection, you're, you're somebody that they look up to for information. I have more life experience. They turn to me with questions. And when I share something with them, you know, you're an influence in their lives. And so there's no reason to ever lie or hide anything, which is, is powerful, you know? And so when he called me, I'm just like, wow. And I, I'm like, how do I feel? Like I had to actually ask myself, how do I feel about this? You know, I'm not mad. I'm not joyful. I'm just like holding the space for him. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, what did you think of it? And um, he's like, well, it's okay. And m- that was just my point in sharing that he had no problem calling and telling me. It wasn't something he hit me where the other, you know, some of the other kids whose parents weren't radically unschooling, they were just kind of educationally so, but still punitive at home. Um, They were like, oh my God, I'd never tell my parents. And they were the ones that were totally wild, like getting wasted every night and doing, you know, like really reckless things where Devin was just kind of experimenting. We talked about it and he was just kind of observing everybody. Like, why are these kids going crazy? So I think what control does in a relationship and what control does to anybody as I've already shared, it kind of, you know, warps the human condition. But we have, children have such an innate, instinctual, undercurrent and desire for freedom above all else. And when you're trying to control somebody and they don't feel free, they so desperately want to feel freedom that they will go outside of what a natural experimentation would be and just to feel freer, you know? So say that I wanted to try drinking when I was 13 years old, instead of just being having a beer and being like, okay, I'm trying drinking. I I, I got wasted. You know what I mean? Like, it, because I was just like, fuck them. I'm going to just get, you know, <laughs> nobody can tell me what, no. And so like, there's this undercurrent of this incredible desire, not just for the experience, but for freedom. And so 90% of it is this desire and drive for freedom. And so, I mean, I think a lot of people can really relate to that when it comes to sex, when it comes to any kind of experimentation, when it comes to being wild, we wanted to be free. And so, you know, we were taken out of our natural balance with things that would just be normal experimentation. So that's one thing I can say from experience, having, you know, 18 year old, almost 16 year old and a 12 year old and a nine year old. I mean, that, that anything they have wanted to experience, they've had the freedom to, we've known about it. They've talked to us about it in their comfort level, you know, and they've have never gone like overboard or done anything that they weren't ready for. You know, I can remember being like seven years old and my parents forbidding me to watch this horror movie. Right. I so wanted to watch this horror movie. So I snuck and I watched it behind their back and you know, I wasn't ready for it at the time. And so it was kind of like, they weren't with me. I was alone. If, if, if they would have let me see it and would have said like, come watch it with us. That way, if you're scared, we're here for you. We can talk about it. That's what I do with, with our kids. If they want to experience something where we'll be by their side. And, um, I mean like with movies and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I just want to be, I just want to be clear with that. I just meant it in relation when when they're younger, but, um, don't worry, honey. I'm right here. Just in case. (laughs) If you have any questions, uh, why is your mom in the room? This is kind (laughs) of awkward. (laughs) <laughs> well, she is real funny. radical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is crazy. But no, but I remember like I, I kind of like pushed myself and watched things that I wasn't ready for just out of rebellion because the natural desire for freedom and autonomy was overriding my balance and what I really wanted to do and how far I wanted to take things. Yeah. And so that's where the damage that's where the you know is when 
I mean, can you relate? Did you do you remember anything like that from your childhood? Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this was my entire, from like 13 to like 22, like 21, maybe. It was just like, I was just a complete, like, every, everything was just, I, I don't know. You know, it was, it was, I, I was drinking and smoking and doing drugs, abu- abusing drugs, and just, just, I had the wrong attitude about pretty much everything because you really hit the nail on the head, uh, Dana. You really hit the nail on the head right there. I just wanted to be free. I wanted to be trusted. I wanted to be respected and treated like an equal. You know, I didn't I didn't want to be forced to do things. I didn't want to be, you know, I was I was uh, when I was in high school, you know, they were like I this is the kind of kid I was in high school. I was basically like I guess part of the popular crowd. I played football, you know, I I smoked weed and drank and went to parties on the weekends and things like that. But I it, when it came to school, I never went to my class. I skipped class all the time. I pulled pranks all the time. I was very disruptive in class, uh, rude, and kind of a bully, actually, almost. I mean, I had friends that were bullies. I wasn't like a total bully, but I was definitely not like not a bully. (laughs) So, you know, I was just, and, and, and people just didn't know what to do with me. They were pumping me full of Adderall. It was just like, give this kid Adderall, you know, and it was just, you know, a part of that, I just wanted to be free. I wanted to be left alone. So everything I did was a giant fuck you. And like, I remember doing things like on purpose just to be like, I'm going to do this because fuck you. That's why. And that was like that. My whole upbringing was, it was very like destructive, chaotic. I had a heart, I had a bad, you know, home. My parents were fighting all the time and, and they, you know, were chasing me down. And it was, it's, it's really this, you, you hit on this as well too. What, what you're, what you're doing, it's like, it seems so simple. It seems so natural, so true, so right. Just trust them. Treat them like people. Treat them like human beings and give them trust. Give them space. And it's like a little bit less, you know, I think in our society, our culture, it's like we always want more, more. We have to be better. We have to be, you know, have to have higher grades, better GDP, more productivity, you know, more concentration, more focus, more alertness, like more obedience. And, you know, if someone's misbehaving, give them, prescribe them Adderall, which is basically meth, you know, and I was, of course, I was abusing it, you know, I was, I was crushing it up and snorting it, you know, and so, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I was a wreck, I was a, I was an absolute wreck, and it, it, and then by the time I got to college, I sort of started to slowly straighten myself out a little bit more you know, and, uh, and, and, and that, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was this, it was like pouring gasoline on a fire with, with me. It was just, it just kept getting bigger and bigger. So, um, <laughs> Definitely. I can relate. I can relate too. I mean, I, I, in every way from my childhood, from those teen years, I was, I was wild. I, I skipped school all the time. I hated being there and it just felt so oppressive. It's funny because kids can't articulate necessarily that it's freedom that they're craving. It's like this Right. It's the natural instinctual like response to control is rebellion. And so and resentment, the incredible resentment that built up and you know, people handle it in different ways. I mean, it's like an epidemic of kids cutting, for example, like there's so much resentment within them. And when you don't have any outlet to be able to feel free, the pain builds up inside of you so much that some people drink some people to numb it. And some people have so much pain they need to cut to feel that pain to release it. And like, it's so sad. It, there's so many levels of, of sadness when 
you know, this life is really basic. And this is what I've done since day one. Like I've never known or instinctually done anything any differently to me. So I don't, I've known obviously that people do things radically differently, but I've done this from the beginning because I, out of anything in my life that I've ever done, this is the one thing that I didn't waver from, you know, that I was so proud of and so confident with. And I don't know why this is my purpose to help people with this. I have no idea, but I just know that it is. And and I've done it. And the results are whole, happy, you know, content human beings who, you know, this, this works. And it's the, the hard thing is, de-schooling yourself as to seeing things like from like a school mindset when it comes to the educational part of it learning why authoritarian parenting authoritarian the authoritarian paradigm is so damaging to the parent-child relationship and to children and what to do instead i think people think that if you're not controlling and punishing your children and you're not focused on behavior modification that the only alternative that we were ever told when we were kids was neglectful or permissive like how many of us knew like kids that were kind of neglected and who had parents who were never home and you'd always go party over their house, you know? And, and so like in our heads, like the people that controlled us would use those kind of kids as a comparison and say, they're not loved, you know, like I'm doing this because I love you. You don't want to end up like that. Their parents don't care. You know what, what I'm doing and what I'm suggesting philosophically is, is completely different than either of those things. That's, it's not authoritarian. It's not hands off. It's, it's not, what most people have ever known and so i think it's really important to educate yourself like kids come to this life so easily this is very instinctual it's very natural parents really have to learn what to do instead of punishments what to do instead of control how do you live in partnership with children and focus on their needs without force and coercion and um there's it, it takes a while but i mean I've been doing this for so long and the like success stories, I guess you could say, which I kind of hate that term, just the happy families and healthy, happy, you know, kids that are coming forth from being raised this way, being raised free and respected. They're in the hundreds, if not thousands now. So, I mean, this is a powerful movement that's growing every day. It is, it's, it's pretty amazing. So if people want to learn more about it, um, I do parenting coaching and I, I speak um, regularly. I'm speaking in Vancouver, British Columbia on July 29th. If you want information, just go to my website, danamartin.com, D-A-Y-N-A-M-A-R-T-I-N. And um, I have a YouTube channel and you can just find me on Facebook. I think that's the best way to like, okay. connect with me. Yeah. So cool. it's just Dana. But, um, you know, aside from that, we have some more time here. So. What have you, what do you, what else do you want to know? Yeah. What do you? Yeah. I just, um, that's the, the, that's like, I guess I, I, I want to know, um, well, let's see. I, I think that, I think there is a change happening. You know, I, I definitely feel it. I definitely sense it, you know, just from, you know, doing this show and the other show that I used to do and, and just, you know, I, 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 th- I feel that there is a kind of a changing and a turning of the tide. And I think that it's just going to take a little bit of time and it's going to take a little, you know, people like yourself, you know, out there, just like keep, keep kind of preaching this message, keep doing it and leading by example is really, is really what it comes down to. So it's really cool that you have this uh, YouTube channel, the sparkling Martins, where it's like you and your family just like doing cool stuff. And, 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 you know, you're, you're putting that example out there. So like, 
I don't know. I guess like what is when you see other kids or your or when your kids come in contact with other kids that uh that that have that go to compulsory schooling and you know to to public schools and stuff is there what is it what is it what's it like like what is is do they have questions for them or is there like can you can you tell that there's like a difference or i don't know i guess i'm just wondering like what that what that interaction is is like like are people curious or are they like oh like there's those weirdo martins or like you know like how does it, how, how does it go and 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 what and what are some of the i guess like the the benefits that, that that you can see in the most between like your kids and like kind of the average kind of public school kids well i think that we have kind of a unique situation just being that we're like probably the most renowned family in the world for unschooling so people recognize us from tv we were on the show wife swap which was huge and our whole local area like knows who we are so it's kind of like this kind of weird celebrity kind of energy. So it's not like the average normal dynamic because people are just, they're always whispering and and like they look at you and whisper and my conditioned paranoid, you know, from childhood self is like, oh my God, are they think are they saying that we're weird or are they saying they recognize us? Like, so I don't know half the time what people are, are whispering about, but, um, you know, people generally receive it really, really, positive it's it's interesting the the hard there's uncomfortable times though it's like people know who I am and they know what I do and they know what I promote like a lot of people local people for example in my local area follow me on Facebook just because I know them because I'm a childbirth teacher and a doula and I may have attended their birth 10 years ago and helped them deliver their baby and so like I have a lot of connections and people always seem to like make excuses to me and it makes me uncomfortable because they're just like, oh, I had to put so-and-so in school because of this. Oh, you know, they're, they feel embarrassed or insecure around me. Mm. Like they're always looking for my approval because they know that I don't agree with that type of parenting. So so wait, that, do, you, do, you get, do you get a, do you get a lot of people like saying like, oh, like I, I really like what you're doing. I believe what you're doing, but like we're not going to do that. <laughs> like, or, it, they'll, or they'll they always make excuses as to why they can't. And, and right. I'm not looking yeah. for that. Like, like it's not that I don't care. I'm just not in the business of converting people. Like right, I'm right. here and I'm speaking my message and those who are drawn to it. And a lot of people are come to me by choice, no forced learning because they have internal motivation to learn from me. And, but people that like, aren't living this life think, you know, that they have Actually, to make up all these excuses. So, somebody showed up in my house with a gun and they were like, you better interview Dana Martin. Otherwise we're going <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So it's, there is that weird energy that people know what I advocate. Um, as far as my kids go, you know, it's weird. It's, we're really feeling it now. I think like my daughter was dating her first boyfriend went to school and he was in like a hugely authoritarian family and he was so dysfunctional and she knew something was off the way he interacted with her, the way he interacted with me. It was so bizarre. You know, it was just so foreign to her and she just, it didn't work out. They broke up because he was always like, don't tell your mom this. And, um, he was really focused on one thing and she just wasn't in that place. And, um, he was always lying, you know, like he was lying to his parents constantly. And my daughter didn't understand why, you know, she doesn't have that experience of that dishonesty. Mm-hmm. A good example would be once, um, my son, Devin, when he was younger, had a neighbor boy come over and they were jumping on our trampoline and the neighbor boy accidentally broke. He, he like jumped up and grabbed the, um, safety net around it and kind of broke one part of it and pulled it off. And he was petrified and said, Oh my God, Oh my God, don't tell your mom. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And don't tell her, don't tell her. 
And Devin said, well, why wouldn't I tell her? Like, she'll help us fix it. Like, I don't, he was so confused as to why this boy was so afraid and petrified of the repercussions of letting an adult know that he had broke something, you know? So I think my kids get really kind of confused and it, it's disappointing to them Mm -hmm. when they kind of learn that somebody is like that because there's such an, such dishonesty um, within souls that are living in fear of being discovered, you know, for who they are. Mm-hmm. Again, my, my daughter's boyfriend was like partying, drinking, like just, and he was only 14 and he was wasted all the time. And she just said, she didn't, I'm not really into that. I don't really want to be with somebody who's drunk all the time or smoking weed constantly. And, you know, they're young. And, and he just would say, okay, I promise I won't, but then he would. And she was just like, I just don't get, like, why not just say, I like to do these things and I don't want to be with you if you don't support this and just right. move on. Like, there's just so, so many layers of dishonesty and inauthenticity that my kids are trying to navigate, you know, and, and really discovering, finding authentic people. You know, most of the time now, my daughter's like, well, I, I just won't date a boy that's, you know, whose parents treat him like that because they then treat me weird. You know, he treats me weird because they treat him bad. So I think it's a matter of they need to be around kids that were raised like we're talking about to mm-hmm. then see the see the incredible contrast to then turn around and discover people that are more whole, undamaged and authentic. So that's what's happening They're They're experiencing kids that were, quote unquote, socialized <laughs> saying, wait a minute, these people are fucking broken. You know, that's like my daughter's reaction. And my son's like, these people are broken. They're miserable. They're dishonest. I don't even know. They're they're totally different around certain people. Like they're, they're really different around me. And then we're around other friends or adults and they're completely different people. And I'm like, where did my friend go? This isn't even the same person. So it's, it's fascinating really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and that continues on into adulthood. I mean, it's like, you know, we, we like to think that we are, we're adults and, you know, we, we know everything now and we, you know, but, but, you know, adults act the same way and they're, you know, they're, 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 they've been trained to behave that way. And so they continue to behave that way. And that's where the fear is there. And then we can't be upfront and honest with people. We can't really look other human beings in the eye with absolute truth and honesty and say, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And this is what's going on. There's so much fear and there's so much hesitation, especially in, you know, the workplace, mainstream America, of course, on the news, you know, it's like, hi, it's the news. Get ready to be afraid. You know, it's everything is just this script, this, this kind of you know, this, it's like pretend, you know, I feel, I feel like it's, um, it's very pretend and it's, and everybody's kind of trying to behave in a certain way in which they think is a correct way because they've been trained to behave that way. You know, it's it's like being in a zoo and then all of a sudden, you know, growing up in a zoo and then all of a sudden you see animals just in the wild and you're like, what the hell is going on? That monkey is having the time of his life. You know, what's going on over there? So exactly, exactly. That's a great, such a great analogy. And I think, you know, like you and I will be, I think we'll always deal with undoing and uncoiling and unraveling all this conditioning. My kids are so much more whole than me. You know what I mean? Like they're so honest and that even me sometimes I'm just like, okay, can you not be so, can you not be so honest with the way I look right now? Or, you know, just, just joking. But my point is they're so, they really are so whole and intact and I'm so grateful for that. And I can't wait to get to that point of healing after 
I mean, I'm 44 years old and I'm still healing. I, I don't know. Yeah, and you were ever, at a and and you were doing what you did an MMA class before, right? Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. My God, yeah, I'm loving it. That's, and so, doing that's a so cool. Taekwondo class, and you know, I just growth and expansion is our default nature. We're meant to grow and expand and pursue what we love. And when kids are conditioned to not do that, it's it's stunting your energetic growth and your emotional growth is painful and so much bad comes from that. So, you know, human expand and expansion is learning and and my kids, you know, when you want to learn about something you're interested in, you're going to pursue that. And my job is to help facilitate that. And so it's a really joyful life when you are facilitating your children learning about things they love. Yeah. You know, and I'd love to be on again and I can go into way more detail about that that part oh, of it. I know. Oh yeah. Th- that would be that would be fantastic for sure. Yeah, and I, and I re- I appreciate your time and I and and for you sharing all this stuff. I mean, it's so awesome and you know, there's so many uh resources out there that I can send people to. So I'm going to put all these all, these links, everything that we mentioned, your talks, your books, uh YouTube channels all on the links. And I can't wait to release this this episode because I just absolutely 100% love what you're doing. It's you know in the world in the words of Donald Trump, tremendous. Not to not to invoke Trump or anything, but <laughs> I, I, I noticed I've been saying tremendous a lot. I'm like, oh my god, am I picking up on this guy's vocabulary? But uh, tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just uh, last kind of thing that I I usually end the show with is just kind of the grand vision, the big vision. It's like, you know, your elevator pitch or whatever, you know, just kind of like tell, tell people, you know, what, you know, what, what, what your message is for, you know, like the, the future, what you see coming, what you want to have happen, kind of a vision. Um, you know, it's almost kind of like a utopian level question. And I know that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to say that, but like, I often ask guests like, you know, in your perfect world, like, what would you want to be? But I know that's not going to happen. We're not going to have any kind of magical perfect world, but in your, your particular vision, your particular kind of scenario, what do you hope to see happen? And, and what do you hope to, to, to accomplish with, you know, uh, spreading this message and, 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 and for the future, for your kids and for the next generation? Well, my vision is pretty grand, actually. It is a vision for world peace. Now, excellent. When when you're not focused on trying to control somebody else, and you're not judging and conditioning, and when you focus on the needs under the behavior, and you model that for kids, that everybody's needs matter, not just the adults, not just those in power. <clears throat> when you model that everybody's needs matter, and children learn what they live, then they grow up understanding clearly that everybody's needs matter equally. And when you take that and you expand it outward to world peace, if we could educate you know, and support, which is completely instinctual and natural and powerful to model that everybody's needs matter, what happens when everybody on earth knows that everybody's needs matter, not just those in power, not just the authorities, not going down to parents and teachers. This is huge. I mean, this is a mini microcosm of world peace in my home. And I, I've, I know that this is the answer, you know, I do, is from the very beginning, we have to change the way we treat young people, you know, from the, from the moment they're born. Now I write all about birth too. So we could take this even earlier, <laughs> <laughs> how, to, how, to, how to begin even at birth with this philosophical perspective. But so I know it's totally cliche to say world peace, but honestly, that is 
the vision for me. Well, I crown you Miss America, Dana. No, but no, you're totally, you're totally right. And you know, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to change the world? I mean, you know, this is what this show is all about. I, I talk about this all the time. That's why I have guests like you on here. I want those, those moonshot ideas, those, those big questions or those, those, you know, just, just how can we do it? How can we change the world? And I think you're, you're onto something. And yes, you know, the, the sparkling Martins, you guys are definitely a microcosm for that model. You know, you are in a sense kind of beta testing the new model, the new model to be in existence. And why can't we take it out and expand it further? I believe that we can. And, uh, and I, I really love what you're doing. Keep doing it. You're a rock star. And thank you so much for, for being on this show. Uh, I think this was a great episode and, and I, and I would love to talk to you more. And, um, yeah, j- just, uh, real quick, tell the people where they can find you again. Uh, give, give them some links and stuff like that. And, you know, of course, like I said, I'll include them, but uh, just give them a little shout. Well, uh, DanaMartin.com, it's spelled D-A-Y-N-A. So if you go there, I have articles and videos and you know, tons of resources that you can kind of just learn about the finer details of the things that I've mentioned. Like, how do you live with food freedom? How do you live with no bedtimes? How do you live with hygiene freedom? And then how do kids stay healthy and whole without forcing these things. And I think your mind will be pretty blown with what you learn. Um, find me on Facebook, just Dana Martin. You'll, you'll find me. And I'm like, I think it's really helpful to see like day-to-day posts. Like it can be really enlightening to see what one of my kids may have learned that day and how. And also I have a Facebook group with almost 20,000 members. So, which is pretty crazy that so many families are, are coming to this life. So you're welcome to join that too. It's just called Radical Unschooling. Um, but yeah, like we already mentioned YouTube and also I do parenting coaching and I work on a sliding scale so anybody can afford it. I'm not in what I do for the money by any means. I just want to help people help shift the world towards more freedom and peace for children and and everybody and help people heal. Um, a huge passion of mine is speaking. So even if you have a small event, whether it's a tiny workshop in your hometown or a huge event that you think that would benefit from having this message brought just inquire with me about, about speaking. I mean, I, I will not turn down any opportunity to speak about this. So that being said, <laughs> thank you anyone who's listening and I hope it was inspiring and drop me a, an email anytime. If you even just want to say hi. Thank you so much, Dana. Really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening until next time. Peace. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. You know what to do if you love this show. Share it, like it, spread it with your friends. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a neighbor, tell a coworker. And uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash Mike Brank. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. Or you can go on iTunes and leave me a nice five-star rating and review. Whatever you do, thank you for listening. Much love to you all. Peace.